Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Radio's A Date with Destiny for Monday, February 29th. I'm your host, Lisa M. Saunders, coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland. This broadcast is being sponsored by Masterminds LLC, inspiring and empowering people to achieve a greater destiny. Once again, we are super excited this evening about our guest. Tonight, we have sharing with us Miss Kit Shapiro the daughter of the beautiful and talented late Eartha Kitt, and we're so excited to have her tonight. To receive and download this podcast, simply go to the iTunes store, click on Podcast, and type in A Date with Destiny. You can also receive it via my website, yourdestinyawaits.net, or simply by Googling Blog Talk Radio, A Date with Destiny. Also, follow us on Twitter at least. 101. That's L-Y-S-E 101. If you would like to become a sponsor or to get more exposure for your literary work or business, you can send a message via my website, info at yourdestinyawaits.net, or via my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash a date with destiny 101. A few weeks ago, we had a night of jazz featuring three-time Grammy Award-winning recording artist Terry Lynn Carrington, who arranged and produced Natalie Cole's last commercial, rec- uh, last commercial recording of Duke Ellington's Come Sunday, which is featured on Terry's current album, The Mosaic Project, Love and Soul. Tonight, we have the pleasure and honor of speaking with the daughter of the late Miss Eartha Kitt, Kit Shapiro. This year's theme uh, from, for the whole year is It's All About the Love, and we are happy to have Kit on this evening to talk about love, the love relationship between mother and daughter, but more importantly, the love of self and so much more. So without further ado, we welcome Miss Kit uh, Shapiro to the show. Kit, how are you this evening? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Welcome to A Date with Destiny. And um, I'm just so fascinated. I have, you know, we have a lot of ground to cover, and there's not enough time to cover it all because, you know, uh, there's just so much. Your mother's life was so just enriched. And having you to continue um, her legacy, actually, just putting her out there and all of the wonderful things that you're doing in her name, I I just admire that. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Yes. Um, so let's 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 try to walk through this. You know, start at the beginning and build up um, to what you what you have going on now, and why you decided to just continue to um, build upon um, her legacy and how important that was to you. So let's start with you know uh, trying to go back as far as we can to the beginning. Um, and and um, I don't know. Well, just for those listeners who are not sure who Eartha Kitt is, Eartha Kitt. Um, I remembered her when I was a child and I'm quite sure that you hear this a lot, Kit, um, from the uh, Batman, Batman, she was Catwoman. That's right. And she was yeah. the best Catwoman ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care who comes afterwards, who they get. No, she set the pace and the tone, and everybody now has to, you know, jump up to meet that. Um, but uh, let's go back further. So, in how she started, how she got into the business, because I believe, um, if my memory serves me correctly, she was born in uh, South Carolina. That's correct. She was born in a little town in Columbia County, South Carolina, a town called North South Carolina. Mm-hmm. 
and she was, she was born on a cotton plantation, and she would always talk to me about how she, you know, grew up picking cotton and how hard mm-hmm. it is to pick cotton. Cotton's not an easy mm-hmm. uh, an easy plant to deal with. Most people don't realize, certainly if you've never mm-hmm. seen a cotton plant, you don't know that it's very prickly. It's not, you right. know, the cotton, you have to go through the prickly um, bulb to get to the soft cotton. And uh, mm-hmm. she would often talk about how your fingers ended up, you know, raw and, and, and scratched and bloodied. But also, mm. you know, they got paid by the pound um, of cotton. So it would take a long, long time to pick a pound of cotton. Wow. And so you, they would pick up like little tiny pebbles and little pieces of sand, you know, that were undetectable to help, to help make the ba- burlap bags uh, weigh more so they could achieve their goals a lot quicker. Um, but it was, you know, it was hard work. And, and um, you know, they, my mother was not treated well in the South because she mm-hmm. was cle- clearly of mixed race. She didn't know who her father was. She never found out the identity of her father. But it was presumed okay. that he was he was white because mm-hmm. my mother was, you know, was, was much lighter skinned. And in the South, mm-hmm. my mother was born in 1927. In the South, that was, you know, not acceptable. And my right. mother was referred to as a yellow gal. And, mm-hmm. and so um, it was a very, very tough childhood for her. She was physically, emotionally, sexually abused. Mm. And, you know, it was, uh, she had a hard time. Yeah, you know, um, and it's amazing when I hear stories, um, you know, people's stories, because it always sounds like, you know, we rise from the tragedy to triumph. And that sounds like what your mother, exactly what your mother did. And I'm quite sure there's, you know, because life is going to continue to happen to us. But the fact that she continued to press forward, how did she uh, start, how did she get into acting? When did she leave South Carolina? When did she discover that this was her talent? Well, I think that, you know, we all, it's not unique, obviously, to my mother to be, you know, to Mm -hmm. triumph. You know, over over difficult times. I mean, many many mm-hmm. people have had um, harder times than my mother yeah. did, and and mm-hmm. and much easier times. But we all have our own stuff. You know, we've all had our yeah. difficult times. I think yeah. my mother was what was unique about her was she had this connection to the universe and to nature. She heard mm-hmm. that Eartha wasn't was in fact her given name, and I truly believe that she connected. To the earth, literally. Um, mm. She, as I as I mentioned, she was so poorly treated. She would often talk about how she would follow the animals and she would, you know, play with them. Mm-hmm. Nobody would mm-hmm. really wanted to be, you know, allowed their kids or anybody around her, and um, mm. they didn't, you know, take good care of her. So she would really follow the animals and she watched how they, you know, what they did. She watched their behavior. She watched how they they interacted with each other. She watched what mm-hmm. they ate, um, and she learned from that behavior, um, you know, how the cycle of life functions and how everything has its purpose and how everything belongs. And you don't, you know, animals didn't mistreat each other because of the color of their skin. Right. (laughs) You know, they they were territorial, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. because, you know, one looked, you know, one had purple stripes and one had, you know, green stripes. It had nothing to do Mm -hmm. with that. So she had a, Mm -hmm. a rather simplistic perception of how we treat each other and she didn't mm-hmm. understand it didn't make sense to her that people should be categorized because of the way that they were born whether right. it be your sexual preference or your your race you know mm-hmm. that's just how we came out of the womb and there's nothing we could do about that and so the need mm-hmm. for others to put us in a category especially a you know a, a subcategory being lesser yeah. than because of the color right. of your skin, she's like, you know, mm-hmm. put someone and categorize you because you're stupid, or you know, because you know yeah. what, you, what you've accomplished, you know, what you've accomplished, you know, in, in your book learned, or you, you know, whatever it is, or mm-hmm. your that that you, you know, you have something you control over, but to to categorize people because of the way that they were born is just yes. silly. And so she would yeah. often talk about how you know she doesn't have a color, and she's neither pink, mm. she's neither black, she's neither white, she's she's a human mm-hmm. being. Now, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. say that, you know, this was her opinion, and many people have their own opinions, and I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about what my mother, how my mother felt. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when she was, um, very, you know, young, it was, she had an aunt who lived in New York City, and her, her mother had given her away because her mother had other children. She had half-sisters, 
and her mm-hmm. mother went to marry a gentleman who was a black man, and he mm-hmm. said, I will not have that yellow gal living in my house. So wow. her mother had to give her up had to give her up for adoption, and um, you know that's something that's very difficult I think to ever get over. But we all yeah. do what we have to do to survive. But um, right, so my, right. when my mother was was given you know passed along from family to family, and nobody would you know take care of her or really wanted her. The aunt mm-hmm. in New York was somehow somebody must have written to her and said you know if you don't get this child out of here, they're going to kill her. I mean they, you know she was oh, so poorly right. treated. Her mother, her mother had, had died, um, uh, not unknown causes. Um, so she was left to her, you know, her own devices in the south. So the aunt sent for her to come to Harlem, where she lived in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the aunt had, didn't have children. She'd never been married. She didn't have children. She wasn't maternal. Um, so she was sort of doing it out of, you know, out of duty to, you know, for to, fa- you know, for family to take care mm-hmm. of this this little girl. Interestingly enough, as my mother got older, she questioned, she wondered whether the aunt was in fact her birth mother um, because oh. the aunt was a, a lighter colored skin. She, they were part mm-hmm. Cherokee Indian and, you know, she just was a little bit more regal. She she had, my mother had her her facial structure a little bit more. She never mm-hmm. found out the, the her, aunt, her aunt died in the 1950s so she never really did know. But So when she came to New York and, and was living in, in Spanish Harlem, and she learned how to uh, speak Spanish fluently. And she would describe to me how the sounds, there would always be sounds in the air, sort of um, rhythm, you know, there was always music playing, whether it be a radio or people having mm-hmm. drums or people singing. And she learned to just, you know, watch people dancing in the streets, literally. And one wow. day um, there was a young, she was with a group of friends, and a young girl came along and asked them directions to a makeup shop and had a long list of makeup, and my mother said to this, you're a girl who was a teenager, you know, why do you need all that makeup? You know, why are you, what are you going to use all that makeup for? And she said, well, I, I'm with the Catherine Dunham dance troupe, which was, a, you know, a, a, an all-black, you know, Afro-ballet mm-hmm. dance uh, company. Mm-hmm. And Miss Dunham sent me out to get her, you know, to, to buy this. And somehow a conversation, you know, struck up and, and there was, she found out that they were holding open auditions. So my mother's friends dared her. They said, you know, come on, Kitty, you, you love to dance. You love to move. You're always dancing around. Why don't you go and audition for Miss Dunham? And I was like, wow. And my mother was like, you know, I'm not going to audition for me. I don't know. You know. I'm not a trained dancer. And so they dared her to do that. And she took the dare and she got a full scholarship to the school and ended up joining oh, the company. Wow. And that's how she started, you know. I mean, there are no coincidences, wow. there are no accidents in life. And that's how yeah. she started in the career, of, you know, in the entertainment business. Yeah, because your mother was like a triple threat. She could sing, she could dance, and she could act. You know, well, um, that was pretty you know, amazing. It, it, it's funny because, again, entire life, she took those skills that she learned as a child in the woods in the fields, the cotton fields, mm-hmm. of observing and being coming a little sponge and picking up, you know, all of the um, the clues that nature gives you. Well, she carried right. those on into, you know, into her her adulthood, and, and that's right. what she, how she learned. She would observe what other people were doing. So if she saw people dancing, or she heard music, or she heard people singing. She would, you know, learn and mimic and 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 start to build her own skills, not necessarily because she was thinking, oh, I want to do that as a career, but because right. that's how you sort of become part of a, a community and how yeah. you become, a, you know, a, a better as a person. You grow by learning, yeah. you know, and, and the, she was always very hungry for, for, for learned knowledge. So if she would right. listen to a conversation or she would hear people, you know, talking or, or whatever it was, and she didn't understand it, she would then, you know, go to the library and start reading and learn about it. She loved to read right. and, yeah. and just absorb knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so that's really how, you know, she became, when you say she was a triple threat, she did it because it was the right thing to do. You never know what's going to, what opportunities are going to present themselves. But yes, also when you're yes. a survivor, you need mm-hmm. to learn every single skill because you never know what you might need to get exactly. by. Exactly. 
Yeah, that is so true. And and I just feel a kindred uh, uh, connection with your mom. I mean, we have so much in common. And I think that's why one of the reasons why I was so attracted to, you know, her story um, and I just, you know, felt the need. And then one day I, I believe I saw you online and you would put things up, you know, I would start to read your blogs and you were uh, talking about your mom and, you know, the, the love that was there, I just felt that, you know, I felt that love and I, it, it you know, put me in the mind of me and my own daughter. Um, but mm. I, I saw somewhere where um, she, when she was in school, and, and this reminds me of uh, the poem Maya Angelou did, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, because I believe mm-hmm. that you said somewhere where your mother at one point didn't talk. Right. That's right. She was very shy. Well, because mm-hmm. you know, she didn't talk in the South because nobody wanted her. They certainly didn't want to hear what she had to say. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so she learned to be, you know, quiet so that she wouldn't get beaten. Right. Um, so yeah. again, another learned skill of survival, you know, and and she carried that through, and so she was very quiet, and, and even as an adult, she was not a big on a lot of words, um, and she, mm-hmm. because she really wanted to hear what other people have to say, and it mm-hmm. also would allow her to think before she spoke, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I know it's certainly from, I could something I could learn more. Um, <laughs> we all could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so she didn't, you know, she didn't have a lot of things, you know, she was afraid as a little girl to to talk. Mm -hmm. And there were teachers, there were two teachers that she often spoke about during my life. One that she had in the South at at the Baptist Church, um, who I guess Mm -hmm. was, um, I don't know what she taught, but who, who put her hand on my mother's shoulder one day and said to her, you have the hand of God on your shoulder. And my mother assumed she was, she was about, you know, six or seven years old. And so mm-hmm. even though she was a terrified, abused child, you know, that I think feeling that somebody told her that you have strength, you don't you don't realize the amount of strength that you have and mm-hmm. that you are blessed with that, that mm. that, you know, carried her through, you know, that gave her the strength, um, inner strength to just withstand the abuse and to still, you know, keep right. her head up high and keep, you know, and feel good as good as you could feel about yourself. And then when she was in New York, she spoke about another teacher who gave her a poem to read mm-hmm. and to recite, to learn and to recite because she was trying to get my mother to speak in class and, you know, mm-hmm. to, to speak up. And, and that's how, you know, I guess my mother started to, to have more confidence. She found so her it, voice, you know, we, yeah. We talk about how important teachers are in their in mm-hmm. our lives, and you know, my mother mm-hmm. could name both of those teachers the, the day she died. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah, because they left a big impact on her life. You know, Absolutely. I believe there are yes. angels. You know, I believe we all have them, um, and they come to us at the right time. You know what I mean? Because exactly. I can remember I back when I I can remember my first grade teacher, and I will never ever ever forget her. She just, you know, and this was first grade. You know, so children are yeah. very, um, you know, uh, they they retain stuff, you know, and they're very vulnerable. Um, but that was a blessing. So your mother, she was just amazing. Um, and going forward a little bit, now you are biracial as well, correct? Yes, yes. My father okay. was, was white. Both my parents are died, mm-hmm. so my father, my father was white and my mother mm-hmm. was who she was. Um, and I came out, you know, genetics are amazing. I'm curious to. I would be. I'm an only child, so it would have been really interesting to know what I, what a, another child would have looked like. Um, right. Because I've seen, you know, you see pictures of you know two uh, two siblings who look completely mm-hmm. different. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, genetics are really amazing, and um, I do look like my mother. But obviously, people are very thrown because you know I have very light skin and I have you know blonde hair and mm-hmm. hazel eyes. Uh, but yet I have I do have my mother's features and if you if you are willing to look past <laughs> if you can't see mm-hmm. the color you'll see the you'll mm-hmm. see the similarity. Yeah, you do. And but so tell me for tell me how that you know that played out in your life as a little girl because I know that your mom was very very big on. Um, 
you know, being pigeonholed into a specific race, you mm-hmm. know, which I totally agree with, you know. Um, and we all have, you know, other DNA in our, you know, uh, in our makeup. I mean, all of us. Right. You know. Um, right. So how did that play out for you because of the contrast, you know? Did people, you know, believe that you were her daughter? Just, you know, how did that play out for you? Well, initially, and certainly my father told would tell a story when I was a little, you know, when I was younger that went in the hospital, um, and those were in the days where, you know, the, the babies were all being lined up in the windows and, you know, people mm-hmm. could come and look through the window and see who the babies were. Um, right. And my father, was, my father was standing looking at me and some, you know, the, the press was there and fans were kind of to come. You know, my mother was very famous when I was, um, was born. You know, my mother was like Beyonce level famous when I was born. You know, people wow. don't even, you know, it's, so it was really, um, you know, a, a very intense. Um, mm-hmm. Now nothing's like it is nothing's like it is today. So it's a whole was a whole different right. level of intent. But um, and so some woman came and asked, you know, which one was Eartha Kitt's baby, and and my father obviously pointed to me, and she's like, no, 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 it can't be that one. It has to be the little, little oh, black baby in the back. I mean, you know, it was just people would refuse right. to accept the fact that you know that she had had this this light skinned child. Right, um, right. I think it gave my mother great joy that she had had mm-hmm. that, that she'd given birth to this mutt. <laughs> and mm-hmm, I don't and mm-hmm. I don't say that but I'm not putting myself down in that respect. I think that yeah, yeah. she loved the she loved that I was so blended in other you know, and so mm-hmm. mixed that you couldn't mm-hmm. put me in, in a category. And mm-hmm. she would say she would tell me, you know, you're like a walking United Nations. You know, you oh, either wow. fill every quota or you break every rule. I mean Right. Depending on what situation you're in. And that just that just gave her so much joy. But I also grew up with a mother who was very famous. So I didn't mm-hmm. see, you know, I didn't feel what my mother felt growing up. I never okay. experienced I never experienced any type of, you know, treatment and I didn't really see her treated that differently because she was already famous by the time I was born. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. my perception of what her life was like prior to her becoming a famous person. Um, and right. prior to her, you know, well, I shouldn't say that. When I, you know, before I really came along and saw anything, um, my, my mm-hmm. mother had, you know, horror stories as many people of color did and unfortunately right. still do. Um, mm-hmm. But I was, you know, it just, I didn't get, I didn't, you know, I understood it because I wasn't, I was intelligent. I understood what other people went through. But, you know, you're a, you don't see it so much with your own parents. And, right. you know, people were, when you're famous, people are more willing to be colorblind <laughs> because yeah, it's more yeah. important for them to have the famous person in the room than it is to have the, the person of color. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, so yeah, that sort of, yeah. you know, made a difference. But my mother would tell stories about how, you know, how we, I grew up in Beverly Hills, California, and you know, she would answer the door sometimes and someone would, if it was a delivery person, you know, they would ask if the lady of the house was home. You know, they thought she was the maid. Oh, Lord. Oh my goodness! <laughs> wow, and she probably just you know she was so used to it by that time, you know. Um, she loved, you know, at sometimes she would like to, yeah. She sometimes she pretended to be the maid because she just liked to to make people uncomfortable. You know, she found, yeah. like I said earlier, that that was so ridiculous to classify mm-hmm. people because of their skin color. Um, right. That sometimes she just liked to play, you know, play games and make people, you know, dig, dig yeah. a hole even deeper for themselves. Right. Well, you know, and I believe that your mother was involved in some activism at one point, wasn't she? Oh, um, yeah. She I, was very yeah. much, yeah, with uh, Martin Luther King, yeah. She was very pro, mm-hmm. you know, with the civil rights movement. She she totally understood that that um, the way to do it was in by was peaceful. You know, she, mm-hmm. she'd been approached, she told me, by the Black Panthers and by other groups, um, but she didn't, you know, she didn't think violence was the way to to make it, you know, to make any headway. It just, it didn't get you anywhere. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a story um, that I've also came across about her. I believe she was um, ostracized at one point by um, President Johnson um, because she spoke out about the Vietnam War. Well, my mother was invited to the White House uh, for a luncheon, mm-hmm. as many celebrities and, and people of, of, you know, who are famous people are invited and mm-hmm. have been and have always been and to this day are still invited for various events. My mother was invited on a particular day with another group, with a group of women, most of whose husbands worked for the government. And um, 
President Johnson wasn't there at the time. Lady Bird was. President Johnson came in, I think, in the beginning of the um, of the luncheon okay. and said hello to everybody and mm-hmm. then left. And then and during mm-hmm. the luncheon, there was a question of, of, um, presented to the the group of women as to why there were why do you think there's so much juvenile delinquency in the streets of America today? This was right during um, the Vietnam War, and mm-hmm. my mother. Uh, raised her hand at, at some point and was given the floor and she asked another question in response to that question and she questioned that maybe it had something to do with Vietnam and that the kids today would prefer to be, you know, to do some type of bad behavior till they get arrested and then they, so they don't have to because it was during the draft. You, you know, you would be drafted mm. if you if you if you were of age. So um, my mother questioned the Vietnam War, and, and she, which many people had done. It wasn't unique that she was doing that. The difference was, I think, my mother did it actually in the White House. Oh and wow! When yeah. She, when she was, and, and at the time, she didn't realize the incredible backlash that it would have, because my mother was very much a woman of, you know, of real simple. Um, non-complicated, you ask me a question and that means you want actually to have my opinion. And I mm-hmm. I live in a country of free speech. Not only do I live in mm-hmm. a country with free speech that is guaranteed by the Constitution, I'm standing in the house of my country that represents the entire, what the United States of America right. stands for. So of all places right. that you would think I could say what I, what I really feel um, would be Should right be in, there. in that house. Right. She did not say it disrespectfully. She did not stand up and yell, which it was reported at times that she yelled and she, you know, made Miss, Mrs. Johnson cry. She, you know, she said, and other people who had been there said that that did not happen. She was very respectful. She just asked her the question, and because of that, President Johnson mm-hmm. um, ordered the FBI and the CIA to dig up whatever they could find on my mother and put a phone call out to. Everybody who employed her in the United States and said, "I don't want to see that woman anywhere in oh this country." Goodness. Wow! And she really, you know, it was so hurtful. I mean, it took years. Yeah. It was when Watergate broke in 1974 that um, mm-hmm. Seymour Hersh from the New York Times called my mother on the phone and told her that there was a dossier, and you know, and we found out what had been going on over the past, you know, between 1969 and, and 1968 and 1974. And, and, you know, she was just so hurt that that this is what would happen for answering a question and giving your opinion that mm-hmm. it, I don't think she really ever got past that. Um, you know, she mm-hmm. was basically put out of work in this country. And, I mean, luckily she was known internationally, so she was able mm-hmm. to work. You know, or in other wow. places in the world, and we always we always kept our home in Los Angeles. But she, you know, had mm-hmm. to go away to work and come back, you know, right. in order to to support her family, which is what she right. said she had to do. You know, I have a family. I mean, I have a daughter. I have to take care of her. Um, right. So yeah, so that was a really tough. You know, it's very very difficult for my mother to to mentally get past that. I think. Um, yeah. But you know, yeah. she didn't. She doesn't. She never th- said that she would change anything because again. It was very simple to her. It didn't make any sense that she, you know, that why she wouldn't say what she what she felt. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, she lived her life always being very true to who she was. She mm-hmm. she spoke her mind. She led by her what her heart and her gut said. And I think that that's a real, you know, amazing legacy to leave a child. Mm-hmm. That you know, mm-hmm. you watch you watch this parent live really authentically. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you always agree with how the parent lives. You know, there are many times when right. I, first of all, we were typical mother-daughter, you know. I mean, I yeah. rolled my eyes and, you know, and wished her, you know, when she would just fall over and, and roll out of the car right. at times and, you know, <laughs> stop breathing and don't please don't talk and right. whatever you do, you right. know, don't embarrass me in front of my friends. I mean, we were very right. typical in, in that respect, in mother and daughter, and there are times I hated her, and I'm sure she wasn't mm-hmm. so pleased with me either. But, Mm-hmm. I watched this woman who, you know, who I totally understood, her, you know, her life from when she was born and and how she lived it and how she got up every morning and she would, the first thing she would say when she opened her eyes and looked outside, she'd say, thank you, God, or whatever God it was that you believe in. She didn't have a, an organized religion. Mm-hmm. She would say, thank you, mm-hmm. God, for allowing me to wake up and to see this, you know, see the birds, mm-hmm. hear the birds, see the 
the grass, and she just really felt that every single day you give, you have gratitude, and you're blessed to get every day. Yes. And yes. that's amazing, yes. an amazing message to to send, you know, to teach a child by mm-hmm. by the way that you live like that. Um, yeah. I give her a lot of credit because I'm, you know, I'm a parent myself, and I know it's not an easy thing. And she no, had girl. no parental Mm-mm. role model, so <laughs> she mm-hmm. really, um, you know, she really lived authentic and and instinctively, and she parented that way too. Mm-hmm. And you know, I tell people all the time that I be- I believe that parenting, especially being a mom, is the hardest job on the planet. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, now that's just my opinion, but I really, truly believe that that is one of the hardest jobs on the planet because anybody can, like, go out and get a 9-to-5 job. You work that job, you learn the skill, you do it, it's repetitive, repetitive, and usually it's the same old, same old, same old. But when you're a parent, right. when you're a mom, phew, there's no instructions that come along with that. You know, you're raising <laughs> another being, and it's like, and sometimes we're messed up ourselves, so now we got to raise this other person, <laughs> you know, right. doing and, the and best you, when that you we go, can with what we have. Mm-hmm. If you learn, you know, if you, if you are a, an engineer or, or, you know, a mathematician and you know that, you know, this number plus that number is going to equal mm-hmm. this number every single yep. time. Every well, single with time. A kid, we all, <laughs> it, there's nothing that happens exactly the nope. same every single time. <laughs> and, you Not know, at you, all. You, what worked, you know, what worked at one one minute, you turn around and, and you think, well, wait a minute, that doesn't work. And you, no one's giving you other hints. No one's telling exactly. you, well, maybe you could try it this way. Maybe, you, you know, and it's, yeah, I think I think parenting um, and as a mother, I'm going to speak to, you know, I, I say motherhood more than, no offense to mm-hmm. all the fathers out there. I know their fathers are right. exactly the same way. <laughs> but um, right. I think that it is it is absolutely the hardest job on the planet, yes. no question. No yes, question. my dad would tell me, and, and, you know, he would tell me uh, when my children were born, he said, kid, because he called me kid, he said, kid, you know, when your children are small, they play on your purse strings, they pull on your purse strings, and then when your children get older, they pull on your heart strings. And I didn't understand it, you know, until they started growing. And I'm like, oh, my God, Dad, you are so right. I will never forget that because, Lord, I mean, it's 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 rewarding and it's the most uh, rewarding thing I've ever done. But at the same time, woo, we grow with them. And so that's another question that I have for you. When did you realize, because, again, when you're especially a female and you're growing up, you know, teenage years, and, you know, we go back and mm-hmm. forth with our moms. Um, so when did it hit you, like, the, you know, like your mom was really just this awesome being and everything that she's gone through, and it kind of just hit you? You had your aha moment about your mother. Oh, I don't think that there was ever a particular aha moment, I, and I don't think I really understood it until I was very much an adult um, okay. and, had children, and had children of my own. I, I was of your own. Blessed mm-hmm. enough, I was blessed enough to understand to a certain extent throughout my life, you know, that, you know, what my mother, who my mother was and, you know, and how, mm-hmm. and how blessed and how, you know, how much she loved me and how blessed I was that I was given, you know, that kind of a parent. Um, but I said, don't think you really get it until you start to parent yourself because I think you yeah. start to live your life very differently once you have mm-hmm. children. Yeah. Now, I also That's carried right. my mother's yeah. name, you know, and there is a mm-hmm. certain amount of um, responsibility and there's a certain amount of weightiness that comes, you know, when you're given, you're mm-hmm. carrying on the name, especially if your yeah. parent is in the public eye. Right. Um, my mother was also a, you know, very raw and um, vulnerable woman. She had mm-hmm. an image that her mother had been taken from her, uh, first had first gave her up, you know, um, which she never really got over. So she felt that her mother had rejected her. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about on a very, you know, and I'm not talking intellectual level. I'm talking a very, you know, heart, you know, gut-wrenching level. Um, yeah. She, her, mother, her mother rejected her, and then she was taken away by a man. So my mother had this image of, you know, of, of how a mother, how she was not really loved by her mother or her mother didn't love mm-hmm. her enough. Right, mm-hmm. and that a man took her away from us. So these are the way. This is how my mother went. You know, went through her life, and that was, those are very difficult things for her to get yeah. past. So Absolutely. when she gave birth, when she gave birth to me, I and she wanted a child so much because I think she she felt as if she could give have a child, 
then she would be able to give that child love and that child would give her back, you know, all of that love in return, which we mm-hmm. know is, is so is ideal, right? Everybody wants that. It doesn't always work yeah. out that way. I think my mother I think right. my mother was pretty lucky. I think at a very early age I understood that I was the perfect person to be my mother's child. I was a really mm-hmm. good fit for her. And mm-hmm. she would often introduce us and she would say, I'm Eartha and this is Kit. As oh, if wow. I completed as if I completed her somehow. And I think I really did complete her. I think I really gave her the roots and the foundation mm-hmm. that she lacked as a child. And that as I say that it you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse. Because right. you're as a child, you're not supposed to be the one that gives your parents the roots and foundation. Right, your right. parents are supposed to give you the roots of the foundation. So, right. you know, there were times in my life, certainly as a teenager and a young adult, well, you know, I didn't want this responsibility. I didn't want to be needed yeah. by my mother so much. I didn't want to be right. that, you know, her to be that attached to me. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. But I think that even through the times when, you know, there were, there were struggles emotionally between us, there was a little bird in the back, you know, a little voice in the back of my head that sort of, I got it. You know, there was a part of me that sort of got it. That, that I, mm-hmm. I, I, there was a certain amount of strength that I had that I knew was more important for me to show her, to give, you know, to give back to her and to be there for her. Um, and, you know, she allowed me to truly be who I was, which is, which is a, a, another blessing because that's, as a parent, right. that's not so easy to do. You know, she would, no. when I think of some of the, you know, even just from a simple thing as what your children wear, you know, and you think about, right. oh, my goodness, you're not going to go out in that, are you? My mother right. never, you know, she never, she let me learn my on my own because she understood mm-hmm. that the lessons you learn on your own are the ones you're going to remember, not the ones your parents said. Don't do that because X, Y, and Z. You're exactly. not going to believe them, and you're probably going to do it anyway. So right. it's not as if right. she held me on this, like, you know, this this leash and didn't let me go. She did. Um, she mm-hmm. let me live my life, and she let me be who I was, but there was a lot of, you know, I knew that she was doing it with enormous, with a heavy heart and enormous amount of pain. And that yeah. was a very difficult thing as a, as a, as a daughter, you know, to, to, to know mm-hmm. that your parents is suffering because they're doing what they know they have to do. Mm-hmm. But yet, and when, mm-hmm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, um, so how does that play out? Because it's interesting how when we, you know, we we don't really learn or we don't really see with the eyes that our parents saw with until, like you said, we have our own. Mm-hmm. So now you have a son and a daughter? Yes. I have, a, okay. I have a son and a daughter of my a biological son and daughter, and I have a son and a, a stepdaughter and a stepson. Okay, so how does that um, play out with your own children, especially your daughters? I mean, do you find yourself saying some of the same things, you know, teaching them some of the same lessons that that, that your mother taught you? Uh, well, of course, and we all, we become our parents here. We certainly become our yeah. mothers as women. I think definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, without it, with, but but you know, I was very very lucky again because I think. On some level, emotionally, it just, you know, and, and intellectually and mentally, it was all sort of clicked in me, in you know, in my 20s. And I, I understood, the, you know, that my mother, the connection that my mother and I had was, was unique um, and more of a blessing than it was a curse. That, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that your parent loves you that much is... Yeah. All, as a child, you want nothing more than that, right? We all want yeah. to be loved. Who doesn't want to be yeah. loved like that? Exactly. And so I, and I often describe it. That's the greatest gift my mother ever gave me. She showed how much. Yeah. You, I mean, if you ever read an interview or saw my mother or talked, heard my mother talk, you know that how much how important I was to her. I mean, there was never right. any doubt, and anybody who heard her speak knew that. Mm-hmm. So I think that the fact that you know, I look at the blessings that I was given that I understood that as a young adult and then I was able to to let go of some of my you know anger and and mm-hmm. maybe not so much resentment um because I knew that was more important than the other stuff that I was feeling and so you right. know having children of my own you realize how absolutely intense you feel the love you feel for a child which you you don't right. know until you have one of your own and 
you know, you look at these little things and you and you just go, wow, that's this is going to be a person. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and yeah. I've got to, you know, and this person's watching everything I do and the lessons yeah, and, and the pain and the things that they go through and Ooh. and you know, it's really, really. You, you and I think as a, as a, my mother would look at me and sort of smile and going, "Yep, I know she now gets it." <laughs> yep, <laughs> no, yep, she, yep. She's now realizing yeah, it. Especially with girls, <laughs> girls they watch you like a hawk watches a chicken. I mean, they watch everything, and so and actually true. for me, they make you know. For me, I know with my daughter, she's made me a better person. Um, because mm-hmm. I knew she was watching me, so therefore I had to really step up. And, you know, be what I knew she needed me to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it makes you grow up uh, a lot quicker um, than we normally would. But, you know, it would be interesting to see, you know, how your mother, like today, because today is not really so different from the 60s or 70s. I mean, you think that by now we would have evolved to a, a place where race doesn't play a, a, a factor um, and with all, everything that's going on, you know, it, it's really, um, it's really sad um, yeah, to see so that you know we are where we are, and it doesn't, you know, it seems like we take two steps forward, but then we take one step back. Yeah, and the one step back is a giant step. Um, yeah, oh you my know, gosh. I, I'm curious. I would be curious to, to know, you know, what my mother would think about today. I think I don't think there's really much, you know, she would say it was very sad. She would say that. You know, everything that her generation and the generations before her endured, you know, to just have the cycle continue um, for, you know, that that society has bought into this race thing, which is totally bogus. Um, And, you know, race, I I was on a program recently um, on Sirius XM, Karen Hunter show, and she did Mm -hmm. a program on race. And she had a gentleman who was a a genetic um, geneticist. And he mm-hmm. talked about that there is – the difference between uh, two people of different colors is DNA is just as much as two people of the same color. I mean, our DNA right. is different no matter what. The color of our skin has nothing to do with what, what, you know, what the makeup of the DNA is. Um, right. It, it, they, and that race is a relatively new phenomenon that started about five 600 years ago by, mm-hmm. you know, white people in Europe because mm-hmm. it was another way that they needed to keep other people oppressed. And right. that it was totally, you know, they, 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 everybody took it hook, line, and sinker as if it was, you know, yeah. so you're, you were lesser than because, you were, uh, uh, because your dark skin was darker, which was clearly right. the only reason your skin was darker was because where your ancestors were from on the planet. Exactly. It had nothing else to do with anything else. So exactly. it was really interesting how, you know, this European mentality then came over to this country, and, boy, we just seem to run with it like wildfire over here. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, it's so sad. So I think that my mother would just feel like, wow, did we really do all that? And this is, they're still fighting over the same stupid thing. Same, yeah, the same stupid stuff. I mean, uh, you know, but um, it, I'm looking at the time, and I and I don't want to keep you too much longer, kid, because I could talk to you forever. But I wanted <laughs> you to you. talk about. Um, no, I really could. I I wanted you to talk about some of the things that you've uh, done in your mother's name, um, like you know the heart necklace, the Simply Earth, a lifestyle brand, and some of the other things. If you would just like to share that with us, and then how can people, you know, find, uh, you know, what is the website and stuff like that. So just give us some information on that, and then. And why did you start it? Well, my mother raised me with the words, literally the words saying, you know, if I've touched it, if I've had something to do with it, when I die, don't let it die with me. Don't let Uh what I have done, what I have created, what I have put Mm -hmm. on this earth, what I have touched, don't let that die just because my body is gone. And Love it. But she didn't say it in a respect that, you know, you need to keep, you know, you need to be me or you need to make it mine. What she then would say is that if I have touched it, it is I am leaving it to you for you now to do what, you know, to make it yours and yes. to put I your, you know, to, it mm-hmm. now becomes your legacy to do something with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my mother loved the art of conversation. I, I mentioned earlier how much she loved to, to learn and knowledge and 
and yearned to, to just soak up as much as she could. She loved to get people talking, a real subject. You know, she, she, mm-hmm. As much as she doesn't want to have to, you know, hear people talk about race, she would want to hear about, you know, people's emotions and anger and, you know, how, why we're still here and what's going on and, and yeah. politics and, and philosophy. So she, mm-hmm. loved the, she loved words. She really loved words. Yeah. And she would write a lot. She would just doodle mm-hmm. and she would just leave, you know, notes, just rambling messages, you know, to herself, to mm-hmm. whatever, all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she, when she died, you know, I, un, I understood the importance of not allowing her legacy to just go, and to not just, to, not about it dying, because, because she was a famous person, so clearly her music will live on and her television, her voice, you know, and, and movies and all that stuff. That lives on as long as fans want to, want to you know, keep watching and seeing it. But, mm-hmm. but the part of her that was really and truly her, the part of her that was the, the, the legacy that she left as a, you know, as a mother, as a human being, um, as a person who walked this planet and, and mm-hmm. felt the, you know, the need to make their, themselves known in a positive way, that those that part was for me to, to now do something with. So I've taken the, her right. words, taken mm-hmm. her handwriting, and as you referred to her heart, which was her, hand, her hand-drawn heart, and I've used mm-hmm. them on items um, from, you know, I do blankets and, pill- and pillows and bracelets and, you know, different, different home and, and fashion accessories. But mm-hmm. what they really are is more than they're just another bracelet or another mm-hmm. scarf. It's really about mm-hmm. sharing a philosophy and a wisdom and a beauty that my mother left to me that I now give, I give voice to her words and I give them, I put them out there for other people to share with each other and to hopefully keep a conversation going with somebody else that they care about or maybe that they don't care about, but some that, you know, would keep the conversation going. And that to me is the beauty of legacy. And we all have a legacy. It doesn't, you know, parents don't have to be famous. You know, we've all been left recipes or, or yeah. words or whatever it is that our parents give yeah. us um, exactly. or our family members, we've all been left some some type of wisdom, even if it's a lesson yeah. that we'd never want to repeat. It's something that we have now that we can we can sort of share because if yep. we don't share generations to come, all of that dies, all of that history yes. dies. That's and right. And it's so important as you know as as a certainly as a species it's important to continue that's how we that's how we carry it on but to you know just to keep the enrich just to enrich our souls it's you know yeah. to enrich our souls and to enrich the lives of someone else my mother was all about loving you don't have to like everybody but you have to love them and that doesn't mean you have to love them in the carnal way you just have to love them you yeah. know, allow them to exist it doesn't they don't yeah. have to be your friend <laughs> but yeah. they have and you know that's what here yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I was I loved, you know, wanted you to on the show to talk about that because all this year for me, um this show is going to talk about self-love, you know, um and I think that if we if we really start to teach that, if we really start to talk about it more and more and more and more and more because people don't even realize they're not being loving towards themselves. So if you right. start to, you know, just bring it to the forefront, bring it out there and just continue to talk and to teach and to open it up, then people will really start to look within, just look at themselves and see, you know, why am I so hard on myself all the time? Or mm-hmm. um, why am I so depressed? Why do I have this anxiety? Why this? Why, why do I feel unworthy? Um, and, and I think that, you know, we, people will start to change one person at a time, but we've got to get out there and we've got to continue to teach that and to show people. Um, one of the things I wanted to share real quick, um, I came across, I think it was on your website or somewhere, where um, your mother, you you called them kidisms. Yeah, and you know, you said that your mother loved to write, which I do too. But he, I just wrote down a few of them that I wanted to to share because I said, "Oh my God!" I, and I wanted to just read all of them because every single one of them, I'm like, "Oh my God, yes, yes, yes!" I love it, I love it. But here's a few that I that I picked out of those just to share with the the listening audience. Um, your mom said, "Beauty is not something to be dressed up." The gods have done that. So keep it simple and let it shine all on its own. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. And then another one. Well, I just want to say life... quickly about that because that to her was not just about the beauty of the human being and, the, you know, facial beauty or, or 
that right. kind of beauty. That to her was mm-hmm. also about nature, that you don't need to yeah. mess it up, and about food. You don't need yeah. to add okay. a lot of, you know, junk. You don't need to add chemicals. You don't need to have, you know, all that other sauces and others that nature has provided exactly what we need. And all we have to do is right. realize its beauty in its absolute pure state and appreciate that. And if we can do that with ourselves, then we can also, yes. do, you know, hopefully do that with others. Exactly. I love it. Okay, so what about this one? When life becomes confused, step aside and think. Oh, well, I love she, it. she often felt that people are so busy, you know, talking and, and trying to fix everything that's, that mm-hmm. a lot of the time it just is a matter of taking a beat and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, over, overlooking. There were two things my mother would say to me don't panic. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. change a thing, and it only makes it difficult to see what your options are. And mm-hmm. God may not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. Always right it on time. It may not be your oh, time. Oh, I love it. You yeah. know, you have to realize that it's not necessarily about what you want when you want it. It's about yeah. what, you know, what is where you are is where you're supposed to be. And sometimes you just have to sort of take a look around and say, okay, there's a reason I'm here. I'm not quite sure what it is right now, but... I just got to be, I just got to accept it and be here and stop fighting. We're so busy yeah. fighting ourselves and fighting the fact yeah. that, you know, we're not, we're not this and we're not that and we're not where we're supposed yeah. to be. And we're not rich enough. And we're not beauty enough, pretty enough. And we're yeah. not this, thin enough. We're always not enough. And instead of yeah. that, just being who we are and accepting yeah. that we are enough, just the way we are. Yeah. Yeah. We are our own worst enemies, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Mm. But and we then, also okay, buy into as human beings. We also buy into you know what we're what we're constantly being told we're supposed to have exactly. and what look like. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Here's okay. Just want a couple more. Um, how healthy? Oh, let me see. How healthy can we be living on an ailing planet? Remember, everything is connected, and if we care for the planet, the planet will care for us. Mm. That's like that's deep. I love that one. And here's one. Just because you're different doesn't mean you have to be rejected. Ah, right. Love it. So that's for, that goes back to early childhood, doesn't it, for her? I mean, yeah, she just, you know, she really yeah. understood. We go talk about the planet, and she understood that if you, if the earth is to be taken care of and it's to be nurtured yeah. and you yeah. don't put pump in chemicals, you don't, the earth doesn't need anything pumped into it except for water and sunshine. And right. it, and you put back into the earth what you take out. So my mother was one of the first people I knew with a compost pail in our kitchen, you know, which, of course, wow. was mortifyingly embarrassing when you're a teenager. <laughs> Beverly Hills and your friends come over when your parent has a pail of God knows what on the counter. Um, but my mother understood that, you know, you don't just throw it in a garbage heap. You put it back into the earth, you know, right. and then the earth will then replenish and will give you back because even more you know, of the good stuff going in, and, you, and you'll, it'll come back out in, to your benefit, exactly. uh, you know, in this, another season. So she, it was yeah. a very simple system for her. <laughs> it just made yeah. perfect sense. And the yeah. same with how you treat people. You treat people That's with kindness, right. and they will be yep. kind. You smile at somebody, and the odds are they will probably smile back, even if they don't know you exactly. and you haven't even said anything. That's You're really right. all that, right. you know, you don't really need to do more than that. It takes a lot more effort to be nasty. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And then I'm just I'm going to say one more because I thought this one was beautiful too, um, and this is the last one. When we lose the dignity and respect of freedom of expression, we lose the beauty of its power. Oh, girl, that was deep. I'm, I'm mm. going to say that one more time. When we lose the dignity and respect of freedom of expression, we lose the beauty of its power. That is well, awesome. Well, does that not Where does can that they, not does that not play into what we're dealing with in politics right now? My goodness. Yes, ma'am. My goodness. Talk yes, about ma'am. lack of dignity and, and respect. Yeah. Um, you, can find, yeah. you can find me um, on simplyeartha.com. I have a blog, and you can find a lot of the, there's a shop tab, and you can go through and buy their um, – I, uh, I donate to the Colon Cancer Alliance, which I serve on the board mm-hmm. of directors. My mother died from colon cancer. I also have mm-hmm. the EarthKitFoundation.org which is um, right now we're, we're, we're doing a fundraiser for um, families in South uh, Carolina who are okay. not able to feed themselves. And, and okay. uh, this Benefits Harvest Hope um, Food Bank, which not only feeds 
families, but also helps them to understand nutrition and so they can learn to take care of themselves um, in return. And 98 cents of every dollar goes directly to the people in, in that uh, the Harvest Hope Food Bank in Columbia County, South Carolina. So that's EarthaKitFoundation.org. I am on all social media at Kit Shapiro. Um, on, the, on Facebook, I'm at uh, Kit Shapiro page at Simply Eartha mm-hmm. and the Eartha Kit. I'm on Instagram at Simply Eartha, Pinterest, Twitter, you name it. I'm there. I'm going. I'm all. I'm everywhere. I'm ubiquitous. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm hoping that one of these days I get to meet you in person because I would just love to sit with a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or just just sit and talk um, because you That'd know. That'd be great. You, yeah. You, now one more one more quick thing, real quick. Do you can you do your mother's purr? That I cannot purr was do the purr. Amazing. You can't do the purr. I cannot do the purr. <laughs> no, I truly believe that talent skips a generation, and I'm hoping my daughter will, will have gotten all of the talent because I got. Not none of that. Not in that respect. Anyway, I don't have the voice and I don't have the fur. Oh well. <laughs> okay. Oh well. <laughs> I had to ask. <laughs> All right. Well, Miss. Well, Kit. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. So wonderful. Um, and um, hopefully we can have you back. You know, one day soon. I'm going to keep tabs on what's going on with the foundation. I want. I'm definitely going to get one of the heart necklaces because I saw it. It's beautiful. I love what it represents. Oh, thank Especially you. after hearing you tell me what it represents. I mean, I just have to get one myself and probably get a couple to give away as gifts. So I just want to thank you again so much for coming on a date with Destiny. We love you, and um, we look forward to hearing from you again. Oh, thank you. I would love to come back. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thank you, and you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Miss Kit Shapiro, uh, the daughter of Miss Late, uh, the late Eartha Kit, um, and you know her story is beautiful. It's amazing, um, and I hope that you will go on EarthaKitFoundation.org uh, um, to look at everything you know that Kit has done. It's a beautiful website, um, and it's full of inspiration and empowering. It, it, it's just beautiful. Um, and before we leave, I just want to leave you with this. Um, Race and racism, does it exist? Yes, it does. Should it exist? A loud and resounding no. We've got to do better, ladies and gentlemen. We must wake up and realize that we are more than just flesh and bone. We are spiritual beings living a human experience, which to me means that we are magnificently and wonderfully made. We weren't made in the image of hate. We were made in the image of love. So what we look like on the outside really shouldn't matter at all. What matters is we're coming from a place of love. Are we living in our truest form, our truest nature? Shouldn't we want to do better and work on ourselves to become the loving beings that we were destined to be? When and only when we can start to truly and authentically start to love ourselves, then and only then will we be able to stop judging others, Stop hating others. Stop looking at others as though they are something separate than ourselves. And start to awaken to the fact that we are all interconnected and what affects the one affects us all. It's time to wake up and smell the love. And we do. And when we do, we will all benefit from it. So that concludes our show for this evening. I want to thank everyone um, in my all of my social networking sites that uh, visit and um, send me messages and things like that. Shout out to my family and friends who are always loving and supporting me. And once again, a big thank you to Ms. Kit Shapiro for taking the time to share a big part of her journey with us and sharing her mom with us. We so appreciate that. And um, uh, we love her, um, and we want her to come back soon because you know what? When we know better, we do better, and we are eternally grateful for you. Um, so thank you so much for that again. Also, don't 
forget to stop by my website, yourdestinyawaits.net, to get some extra motivation and inspiration. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash a date with destiny 101. And follow us on Twitter at least L-Y-S-E 101. So your mission, ladies and gentlemen, if you choose to accept it is, take the necessary time to do a true self-evaluation. Seek God and learn how to love yourself first. Because after all, you owe it to yourself to know yourself. Once again, I'm Lisa M. Saunders, and thank you for tuning in to Blog Talk Radio's A Date with Destiny. Peace and abundant blessings, everyone. Mm-hmm.